Welcome to the Everything Sports Podcast with Jay Bandy, where we reveal the little-known secrets of superstar athletes as they leave their glamorous careers behind and return to everyday life. Listen to actionable business tips and life-changing insights from these sporting heroes as they share their epic journeys with you. Now here's your host, the CEO of Everything Sports, Jay Bandy. It's with great pleasure I introduce our next guest. He is another Manly Seagull. He made his debut off the bench for Manly in the 48-18 win over the South Sydney Rabbitohs at the SFS in the opening round of the 1995 ARL season. He kicked his first points in his ARL career against the North Sydney Bears at Brookvale Oval in round 12 of the 1995 season. He played nine games in the 1995 season and also nine games in the 1996 season. This player also, he was the backup to one of the all-time greats in Matthew Ridge, and it was tough for him to get a look in. But in 1997, due to the Super League war and Ridge signing with the Super League and also the Auckland Warriors, saw this player get more game time. And I'm pretty sure the highlight of his playing career was playing in the 1997 Grand Final at fullback against the Newcastle Knights. But unfortunately for Manly, saw Andrew Johns going down the short side with only seconds to go, putting Darren Albert under the post to seal victory for the Newcastle Knights in a very memorable rugby league grand final. In 1998, he went across to Balmain for two seasons before retiring at a very young age of 24 years old. He played a total of 60 top-grade games and scoring 267 points in total. After retiring, he moved into the health and wellness industry, becoming a personal trainer and later going on to own his own successful personal training studio. He now owns his own 24-7 gym on the northern beaches of Sydney. The guest today has a passion for helping others and has founded an ongoing community event called Walk and Talk, which brings together like-minded people to help prevent suicide. It is with great pleasure I introduce Shannon Nevin. Welcome, Shannon. Well, thank you, Jay. Thank you for those kind words. (laughs) No problem, Uh, mate. Good to have you on board. It's going to take me a little bit of time to get over... You know, you mentioning that grand final again. I, I sort of, I'd spent twenty years getting it, putting that out of my mind. But now you brought it up again, I'm sort of depressed again. But no, that's okay. I'll, uh, I'm I'll sure. Sort of <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I thought I thought it would be a highlight of obviously career, but uh, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of one of those. <laughs> but um, uh, Shannon, just um, would you be able to share with our listeners today why you think transitioning smoothly out of public life is so critical? Oh, look, Jay, um, look, it is critical because well, look, there's a number of reasons why, why I guess it is critical. You hear, you hear all the time in the media and, and, and just through, you know, connections with people in and around sport about players in all different sports involved in sports transitioning to, you know, another career out of um, once they retire, or if, you know, through injury or, you know, through age or whatever. And it is really important because it's, it's setting them up for the rest of their life. So whenever that sport ends, especially a professional sport like I was playing, I guess it's a little bit different if it was an amateur sport where they're not, you know, making earning money and earning a living. But to transfer from one sport to a, another career to then move forward in life and, and to, to earn money and have an income and, and support yourself is, can be very daunting for a, lot of, for a lot of athletes. So those that struggle with it, you know, um, really then struggle living because they've, They've had a career in something and then like for me, and then all of a sudden you've, you've got to then open your eyes to something else. And, and a lot of, a lot of people just don't prepare for it. And there's, I guess there's lots of reasons why they don't prepare for it, but 
it can be very, very daunting for people. And and as you, you're all probably well aware, there's you know people that I know and people that you know that that suffer bad, you know, depression and anxieties, you know, with all the issues that come with that transitioning. So yeah, it's 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 important that that everybody you know looks at it, especially for not just for rugby league, what I played, but but in all sports and and try and help people, you know, make that transition. All right, cool. Very good. Thanks for that, mate. How would you describe the process of transitioning smoothly out of public life? Like for you, how, how was the process for you? And like, um... yeah, look, look, Jay. For me, it was—I um, won't say it was easy, but it was. But I, I get asked this a lot because I, I love—I love speaking to to young footy players and young athletes and trying to to help them with their careers and and, and what they're going to do with their life. I was lucky. I was from a a really strong family. I was the youngest of five kids. I had a mum, mum and dad. Um, dad passed away a year ago, but you know, I had two beautiful parents that that had a strong faith. My dad was a motiv- motivational speaker and and very well known in the business business world, and you know inspired me in my journey of rugby league, not just as an athlete but also as a as a human and and a young male, you know, growing up in a world and influencing people and and he taught me a lot and and you know I really do appreciate everything that the dad taught me. But I was a lucky one because I had such a good close family, but. In the rugby league circles, I I really think, you know, as you know, rugby league's a it's a tough sport. It's a working class sport. A lot of these kids that that play rugby league come from the hard knocks. You know, they come from the hard. They've often left school early. They're they're not the private school kids in general. This is a, a bit of a generalisation, but they're not the private school kids. They're they're they're, they're tough street kids. A lot of them because it's a brutal sport and it's that sort of working class sport. So a lot of these kids that get no well, one don't don't say push, but go into rugby league from an early age. That's all they've ever known. They they often don't have an education. They 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 get put into the limelight and they get paid money from an early age and and often that career can end quite quickly. And because they don't have a strong family network, they're often from broken homes. And all they've ever had is is just this sport and then all of a sudden it ends. That's when I think it can then be, become a problem because they don't have that network supporting them. Um and and you compare that to say a private school kid, you know, a lot of the rugby kids come from private schools where there's a huge big network, that whole private school network. Um, now, most of the kids go through, the do their HSC and they've got, you know, they do well in school. And and then I think for them, it's a bit of an easy transition because they've got a big network within that community compared to a lot of these kids that have come from sort of the hard knocks, hard knock schools, you know. So I think that's that's a, that's a big issue, I think, in, in rugby league just for the fact of, you know, a lot of them don't have, you know, the the strong family grounding that can help support and guide them. And often they're just left on their own. And it's hard enough. It's hard enough transitioning when you've got support, let alone when you don't have any support at all. Yeah. So that's why I think, um, you know, especially in rugby league and I guess all sports or professional sports that we have to sort of make a big effort to help support these people transitioning from from their sport to life after, you know, and also the the whole idea of, um, you know, they, they they go from being known everywhere and they go from, you know, everybody knows them and they're in the newspapers and they're signing autographs and and then all of a sudden a couple of years later after rugby league, that doesn't happen, you know, especially if they, especially if they only had a short career. You know, I'm lucky enough I was in a, a glory team in, in, in the Manly days and the Pepsi days and every now and then at Woolies I still get a little old lady say, Oh, Shannon Nevin, I remember you back from the early nineties. But you know, really, they—they you're quickly forgotten. You yeah. know, you, you're quickly forgotten once you stop playing. You know, people don't recognise you. They—they they look at the new the new player in your side that's taken your position. Or yeah. So that's that's that can be um, hard for people to accept too because they you know they've got all this limelight behind them and they're famous and then all of a sudden 
sort of no one re- recognizes them. And that, that adds to the whole self-esteem and negative thoughts of, you know, where's my life going now? I wanted to be this superstar and now I'm not. And then, then, then that can sort of lead to ongoing struggles, I guess. Oh, very good. Yeah, mate, you pointed out some uh, some good points there. I guess for me being a probably a – I come from a good family, and, and been, but country boy. So, like, I moved to Sydney to play rugby league, went to boarding school, and I lived in Sydney. When it all ended, it kind of all spiralled out of control for, for myself, not having – my family were, you know, seven hours away. Mm. I lived with my sister, but my sister was a lot younger than me. And, um, yeah, for, like, when you were just talking then, you know, didn't have the role models like you had your dad, who was a you know motivational speaker, a very influential person, business person. Strong family of five kids. I'd imagine they live close to you where you lived as well. So yeah, I'm just identifying some of the things that you said that probably a lot of the the kids or listeners out there, you know, more than half of the kids come from country regions yeah. to play in the NRL as well. So I I didn't and they live yeah like like you said they live away from their mums and dads. And you know you got to remember a lot of these. You know, in rugby league these days, a lot of the kids that are starting, they're, they're young kids because if they, if they haven't made it by 20, they're never going to make it. So these kids are 15, 16, 17. They, they're moving to the city or even from out of west into a, to a club, yeah. you know, where they're, they're getting big money. They don't really think of what they're going to be doing other than football because that's just their dream. These kids have wanted to play first grade and make millions of dollars for their whole life, most of them. Yeah. So they're blindsided and... You know, I guess I was lucky. I was, you know, when I was playing at Manly, I was studying a Bachelor of Phys Ed at university to be a PE teacher. Okay. So I was always going to have that to fall back on. But then when I eventually retired, I I still hadn't finished my degree just for the fact of foot, football came fully professional halfway through my short career. Yeah. So I, I couldn't study when I was at Balmain. So when I did retire, I made a decision. I didn't want to be a PE teacher then. I'd already been doing some personal training. So that's when I set up my fitness studio. So that's where the transition for me, I'd already prepared that even in my last season of, I came back to Manly for a year after I was at Balmain. And I said to my wife at the time, I said, look, because I was on an incentives contract, because I didn't have very good years at Balmain. So I signed a contract for Manly for no money. So I was, I was landscape gardening, personal training, training with reserve grade of an evening, trying to make it back to first grade. And I'd come from, being a full-time first grader with a flash car and heaps of money to then within a year, I was landscape gardening and personal training to make ends meet. I was married. So that was a big shock to me because it was like, I've gone from being a you know young superstar, so to speak, with a whole career ahead of me to then quickly just sort of was, you know, going away. So I had that last year to prepare. I said to my wife, I said, if I don't make first grade by the end of the year, I'll retire. Uh, Cause I don't want to keep on battling and putting her through pressure because we wanted kids and I didn't want her sort of stressing with where the money's going to come from. Yeah. So that last year I didn't play first grade when I was at Manly, I played reserve grade and then finished the year in reserve grade and then, and then retired. So I sort of, I'd already prepared for it, you know, as much as it was quick and everyone said, Oh yeah, such a short career in the back of my head. I always knew that I, I wasn't going to play footy forever and I had more aspirations to sort of, do other things anyway. Business, business and yeah, yeah. Yeah. You already had that foundation of some, yeah. uh, the next step, I guess. Yeah. And I was educated. I was told by mum and dad to, to don't rely on football. So they, they sort of, they're the ones that, that told me, you know, the football clubs never told me. They just yeah. want you to play your best. And, you know, I actually I did, I did a computer course back then. They were big on computer <laughs> courses, you know, so I learned, I learned how to do an email, you know, <laughs> so it was, you know, but, but I think it is a, it is a bit better now from what I know from the clubs and, and other sports. You, you you hear about a lot of the players do a lot more um, career-orientated courses and things. Yeah. 
but which I think is good, but it still doesn't prepare for the whole shock of being a professional athlete to not being professional anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an ongoing process that, that, that people have to uh, be a part of, you know, play groups and deal with other people and learn from their experiences and, you know, and, and often help, help players along that are struggling and, and be there for each other because um, I, I've seen firsthand that that can, that can really help as well. Yeah, oh, for sure. But um, you've already answered a few of the, the next questions <laughs> I've got, but um, which is good. But um, yeah. what were the biggest challenges you faced in transitioning Smith out of public life and how did you overcome them? You've, you've already mentioned, you know, your father was a motivational speaker and obviously a big influence in your life and, and close family. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, um, yeah, you already had a bit of a career, like you did your phys ed at uni. Um, yeah. You had like the personal training yeah, type yeah. career focus. I guess, I guess, um, I guess the, the one thing, just to butt in there, yep. the one thing I guess um, – made it easy for me. I loved playing footy as a kid and I loved, um, I love, I did love the, I was good at it from a young age, you know, I was always the fastest kid in the team, but then, you know, when you tran- transfer into the grade football and first grade and I, I loved influencing kids. I loved, you know, no matter what anyone says, I, I loved signing an autograph for a little kid. There's no better feeling mm-hmm. than a little kid. Going, oh, Shannon. No better feeling knowing that that kid's looking up to you. So all along I used to, I used to really love influencing children and, and, you know, when we used to go to schools and do, you know, footy clinics and, you know, and it wasn't so much that, you know, that it makes you feel like you're a superstar, but you just enjoy watching other kids be influenced by you, you know, be in awe of you and want to learn from you. So I used to love trying to have a positive effect on them. And for me, the transition from being a professional athlete to a personal trainer where every day I deal with people that look up to me and admire me, and I help inspire them to be better people. It's like, to me, it's just, I get that same buzz of walking into my gym and training people as I do, as I run out, run out in front of 50,000 people. Yeah. Was it cause it, cause I just get that buzz that I'm, I'm people, their lives are changing or they're inspired or happy, you know? Someone's losing so for me, or, that, that, yeah, someone's losing hey? weight. You're helping someone yeah. lose weight or yeah, losing weight, you know, depressed mentally or, you're helping you know? them. Um, yeah, yeah. Struggling through life. And, and, you know, as, um, as you mentioned, I, I, I started a, a thing called Walk and Talk a few years ago that was a, I came up with an idea of, of a walking group called Walk and Talk where it was to join community people together, um, like-minded people that want to help each other yep. that are struggling, struggling through life in any way you, that you might struggle, you know, whether it's financial, whether it's through breakups, any form of depression and anxiety, and just be there as a walking group for people to connect. Yep. And that's just, again, just another you know, arm of my business of, of wanting to help people and wanting to offer, you know, an empathetic shoulder for people to lean on and, and, and to listen to their, to their thoughts and their feelings. So as it can make their, even if it's just that day that they come and walk with me, if it makes that day better, then I've sort of done another, another good thing in the world to try and, you know, help somebody take another step in their, their own life journey. Hey, cool. Well, let's uh, take that off to you for uh, the stuff you're doing there. That's great. We'll touch on that again in a, in a little bit, but just want to just want some quick, quick wins or what actions can our listeners take away from the conversation today to help them in their own lives? Yeah. As I said, you've mentioned it all uh, a couple of things before, like having a personal influence, having someone yeah. to look after, up to like a bit of yeah. a mentor, you mentoring others possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Look at a, a couple of things. Um, you know, treat everybody the way that you'd like to be treated yourself. You know, I think it's really important in, in our in our stressful lives that we all lead. It's it's really 
easy to be engulfed by this stress and it just it just makes us take actions that we end up regretting you know because we just this stress stress is such a an awful thing that we all go through and it's, it kills us you know like stress hormones you know all the studies about all the stress hormones actually kill people they cause you know diseases and heart attacks and and tumors and stuff so you know i always say treat everybody like you'd like to be treated and i i was watching just this guy talk online once and he the way he gets through those situations he goes what would jesus do right now he asked himself and you know i've got a faith i'm a christian yeah um and i've so i've often done that i've been angry about something and then i just sort of say to myself what would jesus do and it sort of calms you down and and, and gets you making it making a better decision you know yeah. you're not going to go stop that guy you know because you'll just go you know he's done that because because of his own reasons you know his mum might have just died or he's just you know swerved in front of you because he's you know, late for his wife's pregnancy or something, you know, so don't, don't have road rage because you don't know what their situation's like, you know, so take a step back all the time and just take a breath and just go calm yourself down. And um, I found that in the last, you know, few years of my life, it really helps me because I used to easily get sort of worked up and <laughs> not, not angry, but you know, you just, you, you're late for an appointment or you're late for a client, but yeah, I just, I just tend to really sort of calm down and, and life's going to be life's going to be okay if you just slow it all down a bit. No, cool, very good, mate. Yeah, that's a couple of good things there. Obviously, get a, a bit of a different perspective on things and thinking about mm. others and other people's situations. So, not a lot of us actually do that. We are all consumed by our yeah. own kind of lives and busy yeah. lives. And but like taking a step back and and taking someone else's perspective, I think that's well, that's amazing. That. Um, I think in the NRL kind of community as well, like players, it's a very self-consumed, absorbed type of fake. For me, it was very, it was very fake, like it was a fake life. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's man, that's great. Thanks for those. Just on, are there any books or things, or movies or courses or seminars that you did or attended or that had a great or positive impact on your oh. life after retiring, or helped you through that transition? Oh, look, I think, um, to be honest, I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big reader. Look, I always love my inspirational movies. Yeah. You know, like your sporting movies. Yeah. I love, I love the, you know, the Rockies and the Rudies and the, yeah. you know, remember the Titans and all those sort of inspirational sporting movies. I can, yeah. I do, I've watched a lot of them over and over again. Yeah. Um, I think um, courses, I'm not, I've always been so busy there. Look, there's a lot of, I think a lot of the, the self-help courses are, are really good more so than the business ones because I think a lot of people, a lot of people have a really low self-esteem I found, you know, and, and, to, and relating it back to, to, to rugby league and the people that are transitioning, a lot of their self-esteem drops, you know, they, 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 they think they poor themselves because they failed at something and yeah. they've got nothing to go to. And, and therefore they, you know, they go into these deep, dark depths of depression. Yeah. So I think, you know, I would advise, um, uh, any sort of courses that are self-help help courses, you know, self-love courses, courses where you want to get back in touch with yourself and, and become focused on, on how good you are as a person and, and not be judging on yourself and be empathetic to yourself and caring to yourself. Because I think a lot of, a lot of people don't, you know, they turn to drinking, they turn to drugs just to mask all these nasty thoughts. I don't have any of these courses offhand to, to give you, but but any sort of self-help courses I think are, would, be, would be really beneficial. Oh, that's good. I think, um, yeah, and you brought it up there a little bit in regards to, I don't know, Facebook probably for, it wasn't around when we were kind of on there, but like a lot of people are self-confident or 
they put out there all this great life and this and that, and everyone compares themselves. But yeah, deep down, a lot of people are comparing and and going, oh shit, my life's not this or my life's yeah, not yeah. that. So which comparison sends you in another bit of a spiral? Yeah. You know what I mean? So big. I've I've met a few. I've met even met a couple of footy players like that that have, that have openly said that to me that. They've con- they've connected with me through my walk and talk and through what I do for mental health. They I get a, f- a lot of people messaging me just to talk to me about their life and what how they're struggling. If I could help them, yeah. And I'm not a I'm not a counselor. I'm not a you know psychiatrist or psychologist. I just sort of say to them I'm I'm here to listen and I can help you and point you in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them, like you said, they put up this image that they're just so perfect yeah. and life's so good, but it's, it's so the opposite. It's yeah. so the effort. And that's the thing about Facebook and, and social media. Like I love Facebook and, but it's one of those things that, you know, you, you want to, you want to let people know that you're happy, you know, when you're happy, yeah. but at the same time, if you ever are down and sad, you don't want to put that on there because then you think that's going to make everyone else, you know, down, you know, down and sad and then they're going to be judging you. So it's people don't really want to be honest on Facebook yeah. as much as, as much as a lot of people are, but it's hard to be really honest because if you're really honest, you'd be up and down like this because none of us, I don't think any of us just have this beautiful even level of just being always perfect and always happy, you know. <laughs> even me, I'm, you know, I put on this big happy face at the gym and I'm personally training people all the time and people go, oh, Shannon, you're always so happy. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. Like I don't get depressed. And But there's there's a lot of times where I don't really feel like smiling. Yeah. But because I'm getting paid to to make people feel good, I can't walk in there with this dull look on my face because yeah. they'll just be going, well, that's not inspiring. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. You, you, you want to be honest, but at the same time, you, you, you know, they've even, they've even done studies on if you fake a smile, it actually releases endorphins into your brain, you know, feel good, happy endorphins yeah. like serotonin. Yeah. So, so if you, it's proven that even if you're feeling bad, if you actually fake smiling, it's actually good for you. <laughs> so. No, really. You must be very healthy, mate, with uh, the smile yeah. on it you, you do. And our last guest, uh, Deethi, is one of the biggest smiles I know. So. <laughs> yeah, Deethi, yeah, he's always smiling. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, that's uh, being honest. I mean, honest, and I think the stuff that you're doing has just been in communication. Like, a lot of stuff gets solved and resolved over communication and honest communication. I think I'm getting a sense of that from what you're talking about there, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's not it's not about you know my walk and talk and and even what I do as a personal trainer. I'm no miracle worker. I'm, I don't know more than you or more than anyone else about how to be a good person. Or, but I, I've learned you know I've learned over the years to be a good listener. Yeah, and I think I'm a good listener. I'm getting better at it. But you're just being there to listen to people and and let them use me as a, as an outlet because especially guys, especially tough footy players, you know they don't like talking. They don't like admitting that they're suffering, you know, like the Greg Inglis, you know, it was great that he's come out and, you know, admitted that, you know, his issues with depression and because it's important because especially with men, they bottle it all up. So I've had had a lot of guys come onto my walk and talks and just talk and and even just, it's amazing. I I meet people at these walks that I don't know until I meet them. I just, oh, g'day, Shannon, how are you? And even in an hour walk, it's amazing what they tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not trying to fix it. But just being someone who's friendly with a smiley face and a bit of a handshake and a hug, g'day, g'day, they just they just um, open up a little bit and and you can tell at the end of these walks they just feel like, oh, you know, like I just feel so good from having spoken to someone, even though it's Shannon Nevin who's they might know me from football. A lot of them don't, you know. Yeah. They just know that I've set this thing up. 
but they, I just see it in the, in, in the look of, and the shoulders. They just, they've got this, you know, they, they, they often walk, walk up for the walk and they're all sort of, you can tell they're a bit depressed and shy and anxious. But after the walk in the sun for an hour, they just have this look on their face that, wow, something just lifted off their shoulders, you know. Bit of a skin um, step. Yeah, they do, you know. And all it was was just a chat. Yeah. Like it's all it was is just a chat. And the thing is, the one thing, I, you know, one little tip I will give that I have learned. You know what it's like when, you you know, years ago when I'd be at the pub having a beer with some mates that you haven't caught up for a while. You know, if a mate started talking to me or the group of us and was talking about something that was, you know, he's going through a tough time with his marriage or work, the typical thing that the blokes would do would be, oh, have another round, you know, all the footy's about to start. Come on, Mick, come on, let's, you know, and and you'd you just try and drag him away. Don't talk about it and, and, and put up a distraction and let's watch the footy and have another beer. You know, you yeah. wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. It was just a distraction. Now I've learned if anyone says stuff like that to me, rather than avoiding it, I just then ask them follow on questions. Yeah. You know, I'll say, how does that make you feel? Yeah. You know, losing your job. How do you think that's going to impact on your family? And, and how does your wife feel about it? You know, so then they, and then that just starts a discussion, you know, yeah. does that make you feel like you've let the family down? And then if he says, yeah, then I then go, well, of course you haven't because I know so-and-so and, and then it just starts a conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I've, and because I'm walking and talking all the time more around the country now, yeah. it's, I'm becoming really good at that. Just asking follow-up questions. Very good. And then it just gets, then it just gets a conversation going. Cause the, and like you said, the, as long as you get communication and as long as you get some talking happening, I think a lot of good can happen. Yeah. Cool. No, good stuff, mate. That's unreal. Just lastly, uh, how do our listeners find out more about Shannon Nevin? And uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we uh, say goodbye? Yeah, look, I'm um, find me on Facebook. You know, you can you can you can find me under Shannon Nevin on, on Facebook. I've got my gym, that fitness place uh, in Seaforth. So yeah, that fitness place is on Facebook as well. Walk and Talk is on Facebook. If you want to, if any of you out there want to bits of information on um on walk and talk we've we've got nine walks around australia now you know so we've got a couple in queensland we've got one in western sydney in castle hill in menai we've got terrigal we've got manly we've got lithgow we've got one stunning in campbelltown wagga wagga we've got a big one in wagga wagga so we've got a few now and, and i'm looking really this year and to hopefully have hundreds of them i really want to try and get a business model together and i've got a team of people trying to help me try and work it out because ideally i want walk and talk to be like AA for people that just want to meet nice people. Yep. Anyone that's ever feeling a bit flat, they just want to meet nice people. Hopefully on a Sunday, there's going to be hundreds of walk and talks happening all around Australia that you can just turn up to and then meet nice people and you know you're going to walk and talk. Yeah, cool. So that, that, that's a plan for me. So Facebook's the best place to, to find me and happy to chat about anything, fitness, wellness, footy. Old oh, footy cool. stories. <laughs> Got plenty there, mate. I always enjoy uh, <laughs> not, having a catch not up. Not that many. Not that. <laughs> enjoy having a catch up with you at the last, uh, the what was it called? The, um, oh, yeah, the Golden Oldies. The Golden Oldies, Oldies Day. Oh, I had a good chat yeah, with you there. The, Golden and... Old, the best thing about the Golden Oldies, it just it just <laughs> emphasised and outlined how old I am and how I should be playing football anymore. <laughs> <laughs> on, on a positive, mate, I found that even though I didn't play, but uh, that weekend was just a great weekend to just catch up with old mates. and Right, yeah, it, know, was. it was. Have a chat again, and and it was like, as you know, with footy players, if you've played a couple of games or played against someone, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like you pick up where you left off, and nothing. Well, of course, of yeah. course, and like you know, when when we play football, I just think back to my short career. Like you think back on your short career, it was such a, it's all we knew. It was such a family. It was just you, you see those those guys every day, 
and every day on the weekend and you're living with them, you're playing with them, you just play, you know, it ends up being such a, a big part of your life. And then even if it is only for a couple of years, it just ends. Yeah. And then you don't see them all again. You know, you, don't, yeah. you, you move back to wherever and, you know, you might bump into a few, but then you lose that whole, you know, that whole family. That, that And for a lot of these young kids, that's a big family because they didn't have a, ever have a close family. So that's, yeah. that's a really important family that they end up losing. Yeah. So the more that these clubs do these, you know, ex-player events and, you know, joining people together and connecting them again, I think moving forward is only going to help as well. Yeah, cool. All right, mate. Well, uh, mate, it's been great chatting to you, Shannon, and uh, appreciate your time and, and all your insights right. into um, Shannon Nevin and how you transitioned through that difficult stage of, you know, NRL player, the up on the pedestal to, yeah. to businessman to, um, I guess, uh, what's it called, philanthropist? You're uh, a... <laughs> Yeah, give them back to the you know, the people, and uh, uh, it's great. So, just thanks again, mate. And um, no worries, yeah. mate. It's been a pleasure. And like you know, just like you, I just like doing my bit to try and you know the old adage: if you can help one person <clears throat> from this interview, if one person can you know make a change in their life, or or it gives them some inspiration to help somebody else who's transitioning from sport, um, then it's a win-win for everybody. All right, mate. thanks, Shannon. Awesome, mate. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to the Everything Sports Podcast, the podcast which consistently provides actionable business tips and life-changing insights from high-performance athletes. You can access all the information related to this episode via the show notes at www.everythingsports.com slash podcast. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Jay will answer in upcoming episodes. How can Jay help you today? 